Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to Give Them the Sports Biz. Dan Avone in San Francisco joined by Matt Marino, the football agent. Well, not just a football agent. I don't know why I always pigeonhole you as just being a football agent, but the sports agent from Manhattan and New York City. Say hello to Matt Marino. Matty, what do you say? What's up, Dan? How we doing, man? We got uh, a lot of big news uh, going on this week, right? Yeah, and some of our news, which oftentimes is just relegated, a lot of our shows have to do with the NFL because obviously the season is just weeks away from starting. But we're going to go overseas and we're going to talk international news and championship league soccer and maybe the greatest soccer player in, in my lifetime when it comes to European play and a guy that's just been synonymous with Barcelona, FC Barcelona, the football club. And that, of course, is Leo Messi. And over the last couple of days, Messi has informed Barcelona, a team that he's played for for nearly 20 years, that he wants to be released from his contract and potentially wants to go play for Man U, Manchester, or potentially another team. But he wants out. That we do know. He wants out immediately. But there are some hangups with the contract and specifically a clause that he's looking to exercise where he can get out from underneath his contract and his contractual obligations to Barcelona. But Barcelona saying, no, that contract, that clause that you're trying to exercise, it is past due. It has come and gone. And so if you want to go someplace else, that's fine. But the other team is going to have to pay us 700 million euros, which translates to something like, and I'll let you do the dollars and cents to over $800 million if you want the services for some for one Leo Messi. So doubtful a team would do that. But why don't you go ahead and sort of Tell us about the particulars of this contract and the chances of Leo Messi for staying with Barcelona and or going somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, you got it, Dan. So you're, you're, you're really on point here with this. Um, so, you know, Messi, Messi, you know, is, let's just go with his current contract right now at Barcelona. He's got a, basically a fixed income, income guaranteed salary of 71 million euros. Um, you know, so – it's coming out to, you know, about 82 million U.S. dollars. And those of that 71 million, um, 85% is in salary and 15% is in image rights. And be, that's, that's done in Europe a lot because uh, European teams, European clubs, they own the image rights of their players. Now, players like Messi, Ronaldo, um, global superstars, the, they own, they want to have full control of their image rights so the teams purchase their image rights from them. It's essentially a, an additional payment, uh, something that's not too um, popular or not too, I shouldn't say, not too common in the United States, actually very uncommon. Um, but in addition to that 71 million is a 63 million dollar, sorry, 63 million euro signing bonus. Um, and then also if he plays the entirety of his contract uh, through the end of 2021, he gets another 70 million euros. Um, so that's a loyalty bonus. Um, and then he's got some incentives, you know, based off of La Liga uh, championships, uh, uh, the Champions League wins, uh, the Ballon d'Or, which is the best player in the world, um, you know, playtime incentives, you know, 60% of the games played. Um, so essentially, you know, his salary can get to um, – 104 million euros um, per year, um, or if he does hit, you know, all the incentives um, in one calendar year, it can actually get to 122 million euros. So it's completely, you know, just um, 
is over the top of anything that any American U.S. team sport athlete is earning. Now, the biggest thing here is the transfer clause. Um, so the release clause, like like you mentioned, Dan, is is 700 million euros. And basically what that's saying is, look, if you want to come buy Messi right now, he's got a release clause. It's 700 million euros. It's been up from 250 million to 300 million. You know, after Barca lost Neymar to PSG, they've thought, hey, look, you know what? These release clauses are too low. We're going to up the numbers in these things. So you know, let's put a little bit more money behind it um, in case someone does want to activate it. Because if someone does activate it, it's 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 a done deal. Once they are activated, that that player is going. Um, so it's kind of like the old system on eBay. If you wanted to, you know, bid on something, you could bid on it and see, you know, see how it goes. But if you want to buy right now, you buy right now for 700 million euros, which is in U.S. dollars, about 825 million U.S. dollars, which is more than the New York Yankees, the Patriots, and the Lakers' annual revenues each. Um, the Yankees make about seven, 683 uh, million a year. Patriots are around 600 million. The Lakers are around 430 million a year. So his release clause only is more than you know their entire annual revenue. Um, so what the situation is now is that he's got this clause in there that that allows him to leave for free each year. Um, but you know with the coronavirus pandemic, you know, Barcelona says that clause has come and gone at the end of May. Um, you can no longer activate it. So what you're going to have now is, is kind of a buyout situation. You know, Barcelona and, and Messi and his camp are going to have to find a, a nice alternative, a nice compromise, you know, whether it's 200 million, 250 million euros, that teams can say, all right, we're going to purchase you. You know, Barca can take that 200 million euros and put that back into the club and, you know, rebuild their, you know, rebuild their club essentially with that money that they'd be receiving for him. He's 33 years of age, and while he still has a lot of good soccer, one would think, in front of him, 33 is 33 for a professional athlete. What do you think in terms of the dollar amount that if you're man you, you're going to say, okay, he's worth paying this amount, but I'm not going over that. Is that somewhere in the $150 million? We'll give you $200 million for his services. Where's the legalese or where's the number in terms of those two trying to hash something out? Yeah, and that's, and, and that's basically what we have to find out. You know, with a guy like him, you know, the essential part is commercially he can do so much for a club. So it's actually Manchester City, not Manchester United, that, that has oh, the, you're right. kind Sorry. of the, the, uh, the lead, you know, lead path on him because of their, you know, former manager uh, or their current manager, Pep Guardiola, being the former manager of Barcelona and worked with Messi. Um, but in that sense, you know, you can make that money back um, between merchandising, licensing, you know, all the little, you know, kind of nooks and crannies, um, obviously television money as well, too. You know, so that's not so much the, um, you know, the worry part there. Um, even at 33 years old, you know, you're still going to be able to license him out um, using his name, image, you know, things of that nature, um, certainly commercially. And, and obviously just be able to sell him, you know, as part of the club um, to all these commercial partners, you know, across the world, um, whether that's in the United States, in Europe, um, in Asia. Um, obviously he's, you know, he's popular wherever he goes. Um, and the club itself, you know, is, is owned by a, uh, essentially it's owned by a, uh, a Saudi prince, um, the entire family. So it's a very wealthy club to begin with. Um, one of the things that they have to be careful with is what is, you know, basically alluded to as, you know, financial fair play, which is done by FIFA. And it's essentially a European salary cap as, you know, kind of equates to what a salary cap is in the U.S., um, essentially it is that, you know, how it works is that, um, the clubs have to, uh, clubs can only spend more 
um, than what they are bringing in. Their total losses, um, you know, technically over a three-year period, cannot you know amount to too much more than what they bring in. Um, so Manchester City's had some issues in this line already. Um, they've been they've actually lost. They actually won an appeal with the Court of Arbitration of Sport recently um, after being sanctioned by UEFA for violating financial fair play um, in the past three-year period. But that'll be one of the major concerns, you know, how we can actually finance the move, you know, for Messi. If it's a $200 million move, you know, how many players do we have to sell? You know, what commercial, you know, uh, sponsorships do we have to bring in to balance the books, essentially? Um, and that's what they'll have to figure out. Um, so at 33, even if you get Messi for three years, uh, which is likely, you know, the length of the contract, and you know, look, if he wants to extend the past that, you know, God bless. Um, you know, they're still going to be able to, you know, earn their money back. Hopefully, you know, the with the pandemic, you'll be able to have, um, you know, fans in the stands. Um, I don't know about a full capacity, but, you know, you'll be that team will certainly be doing OK in terms of merchandising and, and in terms of commercially supporting uh, Leo Messi, if that's the case. And you talk about a three-year deal and there's talk also, at least at this point, that after those three years, he's then eligible to potentially join the MLS, which is something that yeah. he potentially might want to do and be part of the New York City chapter out there, which would obviously yep. be interesting in terms of him being an ambassador to the sport here in the United States. And speaking of the United States and the MLS, it's interesting that we bring this up about the salaries because as much as you know, we stay insulated in our world, we hear about Patrick Mahomes' deal, and we're like, oh my goodness, and whether it's Mike Trout or whether it's a spokesperson like LeBron James and as much money as they make in endorsements, and you can, you can probably lend more insight to this than I could, but when you're talking about guys internationally like that of Messi and some of the soccer stars that are playing in Europe, the numbers that guys make in terms of salaries that we think is outrageous here in the United States are dwarfed in comparison to what those guys are making. Absolutely. Absolutely dwarfed. Um, and then certainly, you know, look, you know, Messi and Ronaldo, you know, are clearly the top two, you know, not just – in terms of their salary, but in terms of, you know, their image, their name, their likeness, um, you know, their endorsements, you know, if you pop the TV on, you'll see Messi in a bunch of Pepsi commercials. He does Gatorade. Um, you know, we're talking about, you know, these are global ambassadors, um, you know, Emirates Airlines. Uh, Cristiano has a, that's a, you know, a, a steel company that he's a part of. Um, I forget the exact title of it. Um, you know, so these are, these are two players and obviously these aren't the only two, but, but clearly, I think Messi's, you know, Pepsi deal is over $10 million, um, you know, a year. So, you know, just that alone, you know, is, you know, dwarfing uh, salaries of, you know, NFL players, um, you know, or in some cases, NBA and Major League Baseball players as well, too. Um, and that's just, you know, a supplement. That's just on top of what he, you know, what he's earning, you know, 71 million euros, you know, you know while he's playing the game. Yeah, I think the globalization is sort of the key word there because yeah. – these guys are on the world stage. As good as Patrick Mahomes is, again, to use him as an example, Patrick Mahomes is pretty much relegated to Kansas City and the United yeah. States. And while there are international fans, not to the extent of that of someone like that of Leo Messi, who is big not only in Europe, but around the world. It's the globalization and the popularity of the sport of football, as it's known, and or soccer here in the United States, that just pales in comparison to what we – what we deem as being the big sports here in the United States, which is audience is really, really much smaller when you compare it to that 
of the worldwide stage. Here, one other thing before we move on from Leo Messi, there's also the thinking out there that maybe he's potentially using this as a power play because it's yeah. been reported that he does not get along currently with the powers that be the management and specifically the president yep. of FC Barcelona and that this might just be a move so that they can get rid of the president or so that they can come essentially to Messi and say, all right, what do you need? Who do you want to see go? We'll clean house to keep you. And maybe this is just an alternate route for him to somehow get the people in place that he wants in order for Barcelona to, to once again be good going forward. Yeah. I mean, Joseph, you know, the president of FC Barcelona, Joseph Bartemu, is, um, you know, up for reelection in 2021. And essentially it's a board of directors. So he's, you know, you know, his his uh, tenure, sorry, ends in 2021. Um, so he's got a year left on. And, and one of the things that, you know, has been talked about is that, hey, look, you know, Messi wants him out earlier. He wants him out now. Um, there has certainly been a lot of, you know, back and forth, you know, on this. Uh, one of the things that most recently came up is that, um, you know, Barcelona had hired a PR firm to kind of put out bad press on its players, um, its own players, which is, you know, crazy when you think about that, um, that, you know, it's, it's, you know, kind of like politics, um, you know, put out bad press on its own players, you know, resisting, um, you know, salary and wage deduction, deductions because of the coronavirus pandemic. And, you know, Messi was kind of the, the figurehead of the team that the the club was talking to, you know, regarding these reductions. Um, and he didn't like the way that the players were being treated. Uh, certainly, um, you know, some of the other business that Barcelona has done, you know, letting Neymar leave, you know, for PSG, um, you know, bringing in players that, you know, he didn't feel like fit the system, um, you know, spending too much money in the transfer market rather than keeping the money in house and developing their own players like they had done with him and some of his teammates. Um, so yeah, there's been a lot of back and forth. Um, and, you know, one of the sporting directors, uh, Eric Abadal, who was a former teammate of Messi um, at Barcelona, you know, he recently left or you know, was forced to leave uh, about a month ago. A um, little, little bit less than that actually now. Um, so, yeah, um, there is certainly, you know, kind of a, uh, a press on here with, with Messi and, you know, it's, it's kind of a me or him situation now. And uh, you got the fans perspective a couple nights ago when they were outside, you know, the, the Barcelona offices, you know, chanting for the president to resign. So uh, they're, they're certainly on the side of, of their best player of all time, you know, uh, and, and taking him over the president, uh, Joseph Bartomeu. Bringing it back home to the United States, and we're talking football, American football, and Earl Thomas was essentially kicked off of the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> if he goes to another team, there's a lot of talk. He wants to go to Dallas, and, you know, Jerry Jones, he'll kick the tire on just about anybody. Yeah. If he signs with another team, what are we looking at contractually in terms of their obligation? What do they have to pay Earl Thomas for his services this year? Well, the first thing that he's going to, you know, not I don't know about the first thing, but the first kind of hurdle to get over contractually Um Probably because, you know, the Ravens, the Ravens do have some personal contact that, you know, uh, policy in his contract. Um, so the Ravens are probably going to refuse to pay his $10 million salary for 2020, um, which is otherwise fully guaranteed. Uh, normally he gets that. And what will, what will probably happen is there will be, because it's $10 million, there's going to be, um, you know, some kind of uh, legal challenge uh, from Earl Thomas and the NFL Players Association. Um, you know, to, you know, arbitrate that, you know, whether he's going to get all of that, he's going to get some of that, he's going to get none of, none of that. Um, now, we, even without that, um, Earl Thomas, you know, he makes $22 million um, over the course of, I guess, a year and some change with the Ravens. Um, 
So he, he comes out doing, you know, very, very well there. Um, you're talking about. That's guaranteed. Uh, yeah, that's guaranteed. That's a $20 million signing bonus um, and a $2 million salary uh, from 2019. Now, remember, Earl Thomas has had some, you know, issues as he's left, not just the, Ra- not just the Ravens, but also the <laughs> Seattle Seahawks when he kind of was injured and had some contractual off issues. Pete Carroll for yeah, a stretcher. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, as he was, as he's departing the field um, on the stretcher um, and that was over, over contract. So with Jerry Jones and the Cowboys, um, you know, they're, so he, he cleared waivers. Um, so he, he's essentially, um, he's an unrestricted free agent, you know, what he's gonna, you know, command on the open marketplace you know, I don't know. Um, you know, clearly, you know, he was expecting, um, you know, to make some serious money with the Baltimore Ravens, you know, obviously, um, you know, what he can kind of command now though on the open marketplace is probably quite different. Um, you know, you're talking about a guy who is 31, 32, something in that range. Um, you know, he's made, you know, probably, uh, some, some good money over the course of his career. Um, clearly probably, you know, maybe close to 75, $80 million, you know, something in that range. Um, but I think what you're looking at is probably, you know, someone taking a flyer on him, you know, a, a two-year contract, uh, you know, something in that range where, you know, it is, you know, if it's Dallas Cowboys, Dallas Cowboys probably going to overpay for anything, you know, so maybe Jerry Jones is going to give him a little bump, you know, two to two and a half million dollars a year, um, put some, you know, playtime incentives in there. Um, but I think the, the real part here is that, you know, could get interesting is, is kind of what happens with the Ravens and, and Earl Thomas and trying to settle that, you know, the rest of that money that that's owed to him. Um, cause if he's, you know, if he's getting that money, um, he's essentially getting paid by two teams, um, which is, uh, so is nice. I think a strong indicator, listen, if you can't play for Pete Carroll, say what you will about yeah. Pete Carroll, but he pretty much has the reputation of being a player's coach but, and then but, Baltimore well, the Ravens in Harbaugh's, they may be one and two in terms of, of player-friendly coaches. Harbaugh is very much the same way. And we saw the way things ended with Pete Carroll in Seattle. It was ugly. And then, of course, and keep in mind, he felt as though he needed, he wanted a contract extension. They did put an offer on the table. He gets what he wanted. And I think Baltimore may have overpaid because after his broken leg, he is just not the same player, not the same free safety that dominated the league when he and Cam Chancellor were, were teamed together in those early early days with the Seattle Seahawks and the legends of doom. But when you look at, at, at his attitude right now as a team, and we talked about Antonio Brown, how much is that obviously going to play into consideration? And do you take a roller on a guy like that? Whose quality has begun to slip as far as I'm concerned, but then again, I'm not a general manager, but, but how much will teams stay away simply because of what it is that he did in Baltimore and Seattle? Yeah, and I, I, look, and I don't think it's just the Baltimore thing. I think it's, you know, kind of the history, the repeat nature of it. Um, you know, to pay a safety $10 million in salary this year, that's, you know, that's already a big number, right? So, you know, do, you know, does a, does a safety who's 31, you know, command that? You know, certainly I think if he's clean and, you know, a, uh, a team captain, you know, maybe a, a one-team player, yeah, absolutely. I think there are players out there, that, you know, that do exist that way. Um, Earl Thomas, you know, look, if, if you're going to, if you want the good, you're going to have to get some of the bad. And I think teams realize that now. So, you know, I think it's a threshold that teams are probably work with, um, you know, work with, work through him with, work through his agent. Um, clearly if he's, if he's expecting to de- get 10 million this year, 
you know, maybe he's going to take a little bit, maybe he's going to take a little bit of a discount in terms of guaranteed salary. Cause he knows he's got some coming in terms of a grievance with the Ravens, um, you know, get back on the football field and, and, and compete. Um, I don't think it's going to be too much of a, you know, too much of a uh, discount, but um, you know, I think it's the repeat nature. And I think that's what you see when you have, you know, players that, you know, are you know, what you would call quote unquote repeat offenders, whether it's performance enhancing drugs, substance abuse, um, you know, certainly uh, any arrests off the field. I think that's when teams, you know, start kind of saying, all right, look, we got to make salary deductions here. Um, we can't keep the same standards for them as we do for other players. Um, and, and you see that happening around the NFL right now. You see it happening around other sports as well, but I think it's most prevalent in the NFL right now. And just to be clear, Earl Thomas, as far as I know, does not have any sort of arrest or off no. the field. I think he had some domestic issues, but he's not Nothing. somebody that's on the police blotter. It's just that this guy is such a bad teammate by all accounts. Yeah. But, but this gets down to, doesn't it, Matt, that you get to a point where if you're, you're a team, you're a general manager and you're a coach, and you recognize that not only is there pressure for your team to win, but there's pressure on you, right? I mean, it all falls in line that if mm -hmm. you win, you've got job security. And if there's a guy like him that are out there and you have injuries at the safety position, or if you have a need, or let's use Antonio Brown as an example. I'm coming to you from San Francisco. The 49ers are without Emmanuel Sanders, who signed with the New Orleans Saints. And then, of mm -hmm. course, Debo Samuel is supposed to be their step-up guy. He, he's got issues, is not going to be healthy for week one. Down goes Jalen Hurd, a guy they were counted. I mean, they're depleted at the wide receiver position, so there's talk. Well, bring in Antonio Brown. So there just becomes – I guess you have to weigh between the pressure to bring somebody in because you need somebody, and not only – is he somebody, but he's somebody that potentially could be an impact player. And then, of course, all the baggage. So somewhere in between lies that decision that you have to make in terms of a general manager as far as what it is and the sort of the level of risk that you want to take on. Let's move on and talk about Jadavion Clowney. First of all, are you surprised that he's still unsigned? And what is it going to take for somebody to lock this guy up? Yeah, I'm still shocked that he's still unsigned. I really am. I mean, I've, I've told you this, you know, he's obviously a a fantastic football player, you know, when he's healthy. And I think that's, you know, probably, you know, what we've talked about, you know, it's, you know, when is he healthy? Um, you know, clearly, um, you know, going from the Texas to the Seahawks, you know, earning 15 million, um, you know, the Seahawks didn't have a, you know, in his contract, there was a, a no franchise, you know, clause in there. So he could not be franchised this year. Um, but I think, you know, really what's shocking is that, it's August 26th and the season starts in two and a half weeks and a little bit more than that, I guess. Um, but, um, you know, this guy's unsigned. He's not in the camp. Um, you know, with a guy with an injury history, you would think that, you know, any team that has, you know, has a remote idea of signing him, the remote interest in signing him would say, hey, look, you know what, we want to get this guy in training camp, see what his physical, physical conditions like, see how his health is see what we, you know, what we can expect of him. Um, and it's tough in this year, you know, you know, you don't have, you didn't have the off season program. You didn't have the, you know, you had a ramp up period during training camp. Um, you know, so to just give someone, you know, 17 million, 20 million, you know, something of that nature that, that has the injury history. And remember we talked about, you know, he plays a premier position. If you're the quarterback, if you can protect the quarterback or you can get after the quarterback, you're going to get paid. Um, and he is that guy that can get after the quarterback and he's gotten paid in previous years, obviously. Um, you know, so by all accounts, um, you know, he has the pedigree to get paid. Um, obviously the injury concerns are, are the, you know, the major concerns there. So the guaranteed money going to him, um, you know, I think in, in previous years, he's 
I think every season except one, he has been less than 5% of the team's salary cap. Um, so for a player to go from, you know, a small number to that to maybe, you know, what he's looking at, 22 million a year, 20 million a year, stood in that range, um, that's quite the jump. Um, so, you know, I don't think a team, first off, yes, I am shocked that he's still unsigned because I would think a team would want to, you know, have eyes on him, you know, as soon as possible. And then secondarily, um, you know, I just don't know what team it's going to be. Um, I don't know the team that's going to say, Hey, look, you know what, we got to pony up 17 million, um, you know, for a pass rusher, um, you know, on August 26th or August 30th, uh, when, you know, when that kind of comes about. We had talked about this in previous shows, this being of course, COVID-19 and trying to play football in the, in, in the midst of this pandemic. One of the things that NFL football teams were limited to do, and that was bring guys in that were injured and have them go through workouts and, of course, have them meet and deal with their own team physicians. We saw Tom Brady go through this, even though Tom Brady was not injured, but just as a, as a prerequisite. And so with Jadavian Clowney and all the concerns about his injuries and his previous history, history with injuries, do you think that that's something that sort of played into all of this, the fact that this unusual year prevented teams from working him out because of the limitations and also because of the injury concerns surrounding one Jadavian Clowney? Oh, absolutely. Um, and I would think something is still, you know, kind of a miss there because, um, you know, look, he's had a number of injuries and, you know, at this point you can bring guys in, take a look at them, you know, look, Des Bryant worked out for the Ravens. So guys been out of football for a little while. Um, obviously a big, a big name, you know, previously with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I think he worked out with the Saints was signed there and then, you know, popped the Achilles. Um, so this was really his first workout. So yeah, you can get guys in the building, work them out, see what their, you know, fitness level is, um, obviously where they are in terms of football shape. So, you know, that can happen with Jadavion Clowney. He can come in and um, I don't look, he's not going to work out for someone, obviously, but you can certainly put some eyes on him in terms of a doctor, you know, give him medical, see if he can pass a physical, um, you know, see what his, um, you know, previous injury history kind of says about him. You know, I just think, you know, if I'm guessing there's, there's something going on there that, that seems to miss of, you know, why this guy hasn't been brought into a, into a facility um, really at this stage, because um, you would think that, you know, if, if the guy is healthy and as productive as he has been and plays a position that he's played, um, you know, that there's a team out there that wants to sign him, but, you know, it, something is going on that um, probably comes down to, you know, an injury concern of, of why he isn't signed. I hear from some people that feel as though he's better against the run. And as we talked about, those edge rushers you want and those guys who are going to command, you know, south of $20 million, they're usually guys coming off setting the edge and putting pressure and sacking a quarterback. I think he had like nine and a half sacks last year. He's never been a high sack guy. I mean, he can, he can get after a quarterback, but his real strength, I think, is against the run. That may play into all of this. Here's something that I, that I wanted to go to. And, he initially wanted somewhere around $21 million a year, and then he brought that number down to something like $17 or $18 million. Mm -hmm. Is that advice that you would I, – I just maybe I just haven't recognized it, but I, I, I don't know that I've, I've seen that recently where a guy saying I want $21 million and then actually comes down on that price. Do you see that frequently with free agents, and is that something you, that you would advise a client to do? I mean, look, you know, you see that – frequently with guys when, when they're going on sign for that period of time when they expect to be, um, 
you know, so it's yeah. Like a house that, up for market. It's just yeah, exactly. You know, they, they're getting a little nervous and you know, I think you're right. This is a guy who's never had 10 sacks in a season. Um, right. So for an edge rusher, who's never had 10 sacks, it's, it's kind of, you know, all right, that's a big number, 22 million, 17 million. Those are, those are big numbers for that guy. Um, if you're not getting, you know, uh, you know, 10 sacks, I mean, kind of compare him to, you know, Olivier Vernon who went from the Dolphins to the Giants. And I think he only had one season with 10 plus sacks. Um, so yeah, those are, those are really big numbers. Um, I'd imagine there was some, you know, uncertainty or some nervousness on, you know, Clowney's behalf when you, you know, when you're talking about 22 million and then going to, you know, 17 million, you know, a couple of months later, um, obviously, you know, it was a weird off season with, with everything that transpired, but, but yeah, to, to kind of drop the number publicly. Now, obviously I don't know if that's, you know, Putting being put out there by who was being put out there, and we'll we'll never really know. But um, yeah, I mean, for for a player that plays a premier position to just suddenly say, "All right, well, I'll take you know four to five million dollars less to play," that's a weird. <laughs> that definitely is a weird thing to be putting out there in the media. <laughs> just because I know you have some insight on this, and I'll leave it at that. What are the chances of Antonio Brown seeing the football field this year? I think he's. Uh, you know, he's got a, he's got a good chance of it. Um, you know, he's got an eight game suspension. Um, but you know, the, the good part is, is that, uh, that starts, you know, week one, whether he's on a roster or not. So, you know, I think, uh, for a guy like him, you really can look at him coming in, uh, week, you know, week nine, you know, ready to rock and, uh, you know, make an impact down the stretch for someone. Maybe that's that 49ers, uh, roster you were talking about a little bit, a little while ago, who, uh, has some injury concerns at a uh, at wide receiver, but um, no, I think in all seriousness, um, certainly, you know, he, he obviously has the ability to, uh, to add a certain dynamic to an offense and um, yeah, good. The good part is that, you know, he can, um, you know, he can start ready to go week nine, bring you right into the playoffs. Obviously he's a, uh, he'll be fresh at that point too. So, um, you know, clearly it's the teams that are, you know, looking to make a run at that point and hopefully the NFL season will still be, on the straight path at that point too, um, you know, to just seamlessly slide in and, and get ready to go for the, for the second half of the season in the playoffs. And his helmet issues. I forgot about that too. Yeah. <laughs> At the feet and the helmet. It was one thing after another, but yeah. Hey, let's, let's face it. This guy pound for pound was the best wide receiver in the game. Just yeah. two short years ago. So I would not be surprised if there's somebody out there that can say, look it, we need somebody. And the best guy in the NFL potentially is sitting right there. Let's, let's get him in the camp. And hopefully Antonio Brown has straightened out things in his life and is ready to, to behave and be the sort of football player that everybody expects and enjoys watching. I mean, he was one of my favorite players because the guy was just oh, so fantastic. He's tremendous in the football field, absolutely. Yeah. All right, Matt. Well, hopefully we're getting to football season and that we're going we're gonna to stay COVID-free, you and I, and especially all 32 NFL football teams. And, of course, we'll keep an eye on it right here when we talk the sports side of the sporting world and give them the sports biz for Maddie Marina out in Manhattan. This is Dan Avone in San Francisco saying until next time. So long, everybody. So long, Dan. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.